Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Are you happy to be in church? I'm delighted to be in church because the Lord has been speaking to me from the beginning of the service up to this time. Father Lord, we commit this service into your hands. I commit myself into your hands. Father, we ask, Lord, that your presence will come here. We ask that you teach. You be the ultimate teacher. Whatever we're going to learn, Father Lord, it will be from you. Lord, I pray that your people will receive for what you have prepared for them. And Lord, they won't go back the way they came in. Lord, may I look up to the cross and may I hide myself in the cross, Father Lord. For in Jesus' name we are praying. Hallelujah. Before I start, last week, Saturday, praise the Lord. I'm a man, so I'll tell you what will happen. Our football match was excellent. But I'm sure some of the women came back and you saw a husband stretching and groaning. And most of you did not know what happened. So I just have a few highlights. I don't know what the IT are there, whether they can just show us some highlights. Just, just to have a, a, a bit of what happened on that day. Uh, you might just see some of the pictures. We had an opening prayer, of course. Uh, pastor prayed for us. And before we started, at least pray against injury. And thank God there was no major injury inside that. And uh, you can see the, us in our own mode of prayer. You know, whatever happens outside there, we can take our own godly experience there and also enjoy ourselves. Another picture, please. Just quickly. And these ones, they were praying. I don't know, they were praying for them to win. Unfortunately, I doubt whether they won. But you can see the head of intercession there. He's really praying hard. <laughs> Hallelujah. Any, any other picture, please? And uh, that looks like the winning team. <laughs> Hallelujah. And you can see some action there. And there were some young men that were very, very strong. We tried to keep with them, but uh, God helped us. And that is team uh, Samuel or Daniel? Samuel. Daniel, Daniel. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Samuel, Samuel. Hallelujah. And then that was uh, Daniel. Daniel. I think the other team, they don't have a picture of it. That's some of our brethren. That's pastors. Hallelujah. They were giving us moral support. Uh-huh. And that is our able referee and organizer, Brother Eva. God bless you for organizing this for us. And we have trophies. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You cannot compete without taking something home. Believe me, put men with football, they're very competitive. There was a lot of passion you saw that day. Hallelujah. And uh, that was the ceremony being given. Hallelujah. I got a trophy. Thank God for that. Hallelujah. That was the highest goal scorer. That was the best player, captain of Team David. And that was the uh, best player, uh, Pastor Francis. <laughs> Hallelujah. And uh, that was the winning team. Praise the Lord. One of the things that I was telling the organizers, you have to be careful what name you give yourself. You know, there was Team Joseph, there was Team Daniel, 
there was Tim Samuel and there was King Team David. And which one of them was the ultimate in the Bible? David. You know, Samuel came to play against David, but God didn't call Samuel to be king. So Samuel had to anoint David king. And so Team David won. Hallelujah. But what we're saying is, it's good to fellowship with one another. And a lot of the men said we must have a comeback, especially Team Samuel. So by God's grace, maybe during the summer months, if we can get somewhere indoors, we'll continue with the same team. God bless you. And uh, we thank God there were no injuries. We thank God we had a wonderful time of fellowship. And I, I pray God will keep us to fellowship with one another again in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So that was just a summary of it just for our sisters. Praise the Lord. We give God glory for that. Now, my own message for today, you know, one of the things is, I'm coming back to what we're saying. We're talking about names. If you check from Genesis to the, to the New Testament, we have so many names of prophets. And some of us have given names to our children. Isaiah, Jeremiah, you know, I've heard Micah, Hosea, Joel. But which name haven't you gotten? Which name haven't you heard? What's the name? Pardon? Pardon? Someone mentioned that. Habakkuk. I have never heard of a Habakkuk. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with the name. But I've heard Nahum. I heard different things. So my message today is lessons from Habakkuk. Lessons from Habakkuk. Lessons from Habakkuk. It's one of those books of the Bible. It's a year of our word. So we're going to investigate the word. We're going to go through the word. We must finish this Bible this year by God's grace. Praise the Lord. And one of these things you might not want to read is the book of Habakkuk. Just three chapters. Am I correct? Three chapters. Three, three chapters. So who was Habakkuk? Who was Habakkuk? Am my slides ready? Who was Habakkuk? He was a known character, but yet he was used by God. Am I correct? I mentioned some of you. Some of you might say you might not know Habakkuk. But that, sounds, that tells me something about God. God can use the least person to bring his message across. So Habakkuk was, nobody, nobody could really define anything about Habakkuk and no one could say anything about him later in life. But what does the word mean? It means to embrace. Embrace. Some people say wrestle, but it means to embrace. That was the meaning of Habakkuk. And Habakkuk lived sometime late 7th century B.C. Okay. That was 640 B.C. to about 597 B.C. He was also mentioned to be a minor prophet and also a praying prophet. Praise the Lord. To some people, some people believed maybe he was the son of the Shunammite woman that was raised from the dead. That was some people, some religious scholars believed that was who Habakkuk was. Praise the Lord. Are my slides up? Hallelujah. Okay, we'll have to go by it and maybe you have to imagine some of the things I'm saying. Now, the book itself. The book, the thing that was significant about the book of Habakkuk, it was found to be one of the three Dead Sea Scrolls. One of the first three Dead Sea Scrolls. If you can remember, the Dead Sea Scrolls were how many? Were about seven. They found some, found some other ones, but this was among the first three that was found. Praise the Lord. So that means it has a generational history of where it came from. It has some authenticity of where it came from. It's real. It's true. Praise the Lord. And lastly about the book, it's the only book in the Bible 
that the whole complete book is about a dialogue between God and man. The complete book was just conversing between one man and God. You might see there are some other books that had that, like uh, Job. But Job completely was not about a dialogue. But in Habakkuk, the few chapters, it's all about talking to God and God replying. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, I told you that it was between 640 BC and 597. So let's go back to the timeline because I like using timelines. I'm taking somewhere, but I want to just give you a bit of background. Now, if you notice in those days, you will find out that uh, the Israel was divided into two. Am I correct? You had Judah and you had the northern kingdom. Praise the Lord. And along the line, the northern kingdom was taken. Can I have the next slide, please? So the only thing that was left here was Judah. Judah was just here. Now, Judah was small, very small in size. It was surrounded by the Assyrians because the Assyrians had already taken the northern empire. And if you're looking at the size of Judah, maybe the size of Kerala. Do you have Keralites here? Kerala is small compared to the rest of India. It's, it's small. Nigeria, maybe Lagos or somewhere. But it was a very, very small country or small portion of it. And at that time, there were three major players. Three major players. One was the Egyptians around here. And then you had the Assyrians. And then you had the, uh, uh, the Babylonians. Can I have the next slide, please? I'll show you better than that one. Next slide, please, brother. Now, you find that Egypt was around here, Assyria was here, and then the Babylonians were there. Those were the three major powers in the country at that time. Assyria is the present-day Syria that we have, and Babylon is the present-day Iraq. And you know what Egypt was in those days. Now, in that time, there was a, whole, there was a tussle, and King Necho of Pharaoh, the Pharaoh of Egypt, wanted to move from Egypt all the way to Assyria. But for him to go through Assyria, he had to pass Judah. Okay? And as he was coming to Judah, alright, he asked Josiah, Josiah was king then. Josiah was king. And he was a righteous king. He asked Josiah, let me pass through your land. Josiah refused. Praise the Lord. Josiah refused. And it was interesting. If someone can give me Second uh, Chronicles, uh, okay, Second Chronicles 35, 21, I'll read it. 35-25. But he sent messengers to him and saying, What have I to do with you, king of Judah? I have not come against you this day, but against the house of which I have war. For God commanded me to make haste. Refrain from meddling with God, who is with me, lest he destroy you. God has spoken to him to pass through. But Josiah was stubborn. He wanted to control that street. So what did Josiah do? Josiah went to war. He wore his helmet, he wore his sword, and he went. And the archers killed Josiah. That's how Josiah died. And that battle was at Megiddo. The battle of Megiddo. It's a very, very popular battle. And he passed to the Assyrians. And they had an alliance with the Assyrians to fight the Babylonians. But when Josiah died, they gave his son, Jehoahaz, to be king. And Jehoahaz was evil. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. Idolatry, fornication, adultery, all things, all manner of things. Judah was in an evil state. Something like we were in today. The world is evil. Am I correct? The world is evil. And as he passed, 
He went and fought the Babylonians and they lost. And he retreated. And when he came back, he took Jehoahaz as captive and took him back to Egypt. But then his brother took over, Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim also was very evil in the sight of the Lord. His name was changed to Elkayim by the Egyptians to show that they were king. You know, and it was an evil period at that particular point in time. And that was the period that um, Habakkuk was born into. One of the lessons we also learned there, you have to know how to choose your battle. Josiah chose the wrong battle. Josiah chose the wrong battle. But it was all part of a divine plan by God. Now, the reason why I'm trying to give you the picture in which they were living, okay, is almost like a modern day era where you see a lot of evil happening. ISIS in Syria, same as Syrian area. Terrorists left, right, and center. Murders. People are killing now like it's, it's nothing. Christians are being prosecuted. You go to northeast of Nigeria, Christians are prosecuted. You go to India, Christians are being prosecuted. So many plagues, so many diseases. It's happening. The face of the world has become evil. Now, gay rights has become normal thing. Bestiality is common. We're living in an evil society as it is. Almost like the time of, of Habakkuk was there. Praise the Lord. So I have ten lessons I will learn from the book of Habakkuk. If someone, I don't know, can someone get a Bible and read for me? Someone that has a loud voice uh, with a microphone. Brother Linden, I think you're choosing. Habakkuk chapter 1. If you can read verse 1 to 4. Please open your Bibles and please stay off your social media. Praise just for Just for this time, stay off your social media. You can use the Bible, but try and concentrate on what we're talking about today. And God will bless you. There will be enough time after church for you to go back to your phones. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 1. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. Lord, O Lord, how long shall I cry? And thou wilt not hear, even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence have before, are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore, the law is slacked, and the judgment that never go forth, for the wicked that compass about the righteous. Therefore, wrong judgment proceedeth. Verse ah, 5. No, no, just, four, just four. stop there. Praise the Lord. The first point to learn about Habakkuk, he was honest with God. He was honest with God. The first thing he was shouting to God is, how long shall I cry? How long shall I cry? This is happening, how long shall I cry? How many of us have had tears over the past couple of years? And you're shouting to God, how long will this last in my life? How long will this unemployment happen in my life? How long will this child be giving me trouble, difficult times? How long will I be waiting for you to come through for me? Maybe I'm looking for children. How long will you come through? We're all going through challenges. But one thing Habakkuk was, he was honest with God. There's a way you approach to God, but you have to approach to God with honesty. It can be even simple things in your life. Lord, I'm struggling with this. If you cannot be honest with God at that level, then how will you get help? Praise the Lord. You can't trust God with your feelings. 
That's the only way you'll grow spiritually. Lord, I feel like stealing. Oh, I feel, I feel like I'm addicted to drinking this. Oh, Lord, you express yourself to your God. Praise the Lord. Us as parents, the first thing that we want is our children to be honest with us. Isn't it? That's the same thing you're trying to say, tell me anything. Tell me anything. I won't do anything to you. And sometimes the kids will open up and tell you. And sometimes the parents will be too hard to do and they will do something. But yet you want them to be honest with you. That's all God is asking for us. He wants honesty. What is disturbing us in our life? We should be able to cry out to God. Praise the Lord. The lady in the well in Samaria, when God was asking her questions, she was open. She told him everything that concerned her. She didn't lie, she didn't cover. And Abacot took his problem not to man. He took it to God. He took it to God. So number one point is, you have to be honest with God with things concerning you. You have to be open. Praise the Lord. Two, if you go to that verse, he said, violence and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity? He had some sort of righteous indignation. Praise the Lord. He was not happy the way sin was taking place. Why must sin take place at a time like this? One of the questions my children happen is, why do Christians suffer? Why are the righteous suffering? Has your children ever asked you that question? Why is there sickness? Why am I sick? That was one of my son was in the hospital. That was one of the things he asked me. He said, why is this happening to me? Those are questions I have. Those are righteous questions we have. It shows a level of passion that we have concerning whatever is happening to us. If it's lack of a job, you will show some passion. What is happening to me? When Anna was praying for a child, they say it was almost like tears, almost like sweat. Those were some of the things that she had. God, you promised me to be fruitful. Why am I not fruitful? And that was where Habakkuk was. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now let's go to verse 5 to 11. And in verse 5 to 11, can you just read that quickly, brother? Behold ye among the, he among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days, which, will, which ye will not believe, though ye be told you. For lo, I rise up, lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, the bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through and the breadth of the land to proceed, to process the dwelling places that ye are not there. They are troubled, trembled and dreadful, and their, judgment, and their judgments and their destiny uh, shall proceed of, of themselves. Their horses shall also are swifter than the leopards and are more fierce than the evening wolves, and their horsemen shall, spare them, shall sp spread themselves, and their horsemen shall come from far, and they shall fly as the eagle that hasteneth to, to eat. They shall come from all, the, all for violence, and their faces shall sup up the, as the east wind, and, sh and they shall gather the captivity as the sand, and they shall scoff at the kings, and the princes shall be as scorn unto them, and they shall dread their strong, their, every stronghold, for they shall 
Keep dust and take it. Praise the Lord. You might read that on your own time also and find out. But God hears. That's number three. I think number two, number three. God hears and will answer. Whatever your cry is to the Lord, God hears. Habakkuk cried. A long time he has been waiting for God. But God heard him and God answered. If you go to Genesis, for example, 20, uh, 21, 16 to 17, when Hagar went out to Ishmael, and then she went out and sat down across from him at a distance of about a bow shot. For she said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite him and lifted her voices and wept. And God heard the voice of the lad. Then the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, what ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Now, that was the story of Hagar that Abraham drove away. And he told her to go. And the boy was about to die in the desert. The only had a, a bottle of water and a loaf of bread. And she said, I cannot see this boy die. And the boy was crying and the mother was crying. But God heard in that dire situation. God heard. And when God answered, he showed her well where she could go and get water. Habakkuk cried out. After a long time, Joahaz, Joachim, even Zedekiah, later on, all were evil. But he cried out and God answered. Praise the Lord. Take note of this. You don't have, you don't have to be perfect for God to hear you or to answer you. Am I correct? You don't have to be perfect for God to hear you or answer you. If you cry out to him, he will hear. If you notice in the New Testament, when Jesus was healing, most times people will cry out to him, he will heal them. Then by the second step of faith, he will say your sin is forgiven. Am I correct? Were they living a perfect life before that? But they cried out. The thief on the cross cried out. He was not perfect, but God heard him. Because why? We have common grace. Common grace is what God gives to everybody out of his abundant mercy. It's available to all mankind. But probably you cry out to him. Now the answer we got might not be the answer that you expected to see. Praise the Lord. That comes to a different issue, isn't, isn't it? If you find out what Brother Lyndon was saying, Habakkuk cried out that there was even the land. But yet, God was going to bring the Babylonians to take them captive. <laughs> Bringing another wicked country to take care of the Judah. Say, God, what kind of answer is this? Some of us are praying, Father, we keep us in Oman. We must stay in this Oman. We must earn this area. It's a very strong currency. Two to, uh, one to $2.57, isn't it? I'm not too sure about rupees. One is to 1,000 naira. I know that for sure. It cannot get better than this. It's a strong currency. I need to earn this money. I cannot go anywhere else. That's the answer you're expecting. But God still says, go. You stand up and go. That's not the answer you're expecting. Am I correct? Now that's where we are. The answer we're expecting might not be the way it will come. But God heard and God answered. It's just not what we were expecting. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now if you go to chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, I'll read this. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I'm corrected. The Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on the tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. 
By the end of it, it will speak. And it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him. But the just shall live by his faith. Amen. Amen. Number four. My number four point. We have to stand in a place of prayer to receive from God. I hope you're writing this. We have to stand in a place of prayer. In the first part of all, he said, I will stand my watch and serve myself on the rampart. He was on top of the watchtower, like in Ezekiel. He was a watchman looking into the future. How many of us, when we don't see answers, we stop to pray? We give up. We give up. He stood up there, he said he's going to pray. So wherever you are, you have to be in a place of prayer. You cannot give up. People that quit will not get anything from God. Praise the Lord. Whatever has been, some one year, two years, three years, four years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years, you have to be in a place of prayer. A place of expectation to receive from God. And Badar said, he said, let me wait and see. That's what Habakkuk said. Let me wait and see what God's going to do for me. I'm standing here, God, God, you must answer me. We have called for victory night. We have called for night vigil. How many will come and pray? How many will have the burden to come and remain in a place of prayer? God will help us to remain in a place of prayer. Hallelujah. Number five. God does not hide his promises. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. God does not hide his promises. His promises are open. The promises are there. It's for you to receive it. There are some things I, I, my son wants to ask me. He said, Daddy, I want this. And he wants a commitment from me. He wants me to promise him. But I refuse to promise him. Because he hold me to that his word. Am I correct? And I use a diplomatic statement, we shall see. It's neither here or neither there. I've just said, we shall see. So if I don't fulfill that promise, he cannot hold me ransom. But if I say yes, I'm in trouble. Hallelujah. But that's not so with God. His promises are there, they're open. That's why he said, write the vision. Make it plain on tablets that he may run with it. He has put that as confidence. He has put that as a guarantee. Write it down. Now, one of the things in our lives is we don't write what God has promised us. How many of us have our jotters here? Pens. Okay, tablets. We're in a modern society. But what are you writing now? What are you writing now? What, God, what has God promised you in this one hour that I have not been able to write it down? That's what God is telling us. This year, as we are reading the word, God is going to be speaking to each one of us. In my tablet, I have a full page. And every day I read, if something happens, I write it down. Write it down. God speaks to you, write it down. And the reason why God wants you to write it down is let it be used in history as a testimony. Amen. It will help your spiritual growth. If God had done it then, you can always rely back to it. When someone satisfies you, you can always rely back to it and say, ah, this is what brother God did for this brother and he's going to do it for me. Then when you meet that challenge later on in life, you say, no, God, 
you did this for me in the past. This is how you worked out. I need you to do that. You need to write it down. I've also failed on sometimes with those ones. God speaks to me sometimes in my dreams. And sometimes the sleep is so sweet. I, I, uh, I repent to wake up and write it down. Sometimes you say, oh, I'll write it down in the morning. When you write it down in the morning, it's not longer clear. But when you wake up at night, you write it down. I have to go back to that habit of having a jotter and a pen by your bedside. In that sleepy way, just write whatever you can write and go back to sleep. Even if you don't go back to sleep, it's worth it that you have written it down. Praise the Lord. Now, another reason is our vision and our scope is limited. Praise the Lord. Our vision and scope is limited. The vision is for an appointed time. What vision do you see? What vision can you see? You can only see for a certain level. I'm yet to see someone that can see from the back of his head. The best he can do is like this and like this. I've yet to see the person that has 360 vision as a human being. That means your head can turn around. Has anybody seen anybody like that? I don't see all the people that are flexible are able to turn their head 360. They can try to get a certain level, but I don't think it can be 360. And that's why sometimes in our circular world, as you go up, there are some things you know, there are some things you don't know. One of these, I'm, I'm always cautious about commenting on certain things that I might not be previewed to what it is. There's a lot of things that they say is classified and unclassified. After years, they're unclassified. It's the same thing. Our vision is limited because we don't know what God has in store for us. But we, all we know is that God has given us what is positive for us. What is the best for us. That's why I always call him a good Lord. It can only be a good outcome. But my vision is just that way. I cannot see more out of it. It's limited. Praise the Lord. Are you with me? If you can remember, in 2 Kings 6, 15 to 22, can you remember when Elijah came out? The servant of God rose early and went out there with the army surrounded by the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with me, with us, are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mantle was full of horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. He prayed and God, Elisha, God opened that man's eyes and he just saw a glimpse of what was happening. A glimpse. Now, that servant could have said, I'll either kill myself or I'll go and fight them and will die. But he did not, could not see the bigger picture. Sometimes we walk in the smaller picture when God has a bigger picture for us. And the surprising thing is, even with the bigger picture, God did not use that to deliver them. If you follow that story, you find out what happened. So when the Jesus came down to Elisha prayed to the Lord and strike these people, and he prayed with blindness. They were blinded instead. So they had a second option. The chariots of fire and angels could have killed them. But it was a different thing. They were blinded. And God delivered them into their hands. And when they took them to the city, shall we kill them? No. We shall show them mercy. 
I'm telling you, God will deliver your enemies to your hands. He will deliver your enemies to your hands, but be careful of what you do. You need to show mercy. You need to show mercy and show kindness. There was a story that happened back in Nigeria. And uh, I can't forget that uh, I grew up in a place called Zaria in the northern part of Nigeria. And we used to go to church and there was a particular Islamic... Zaria was very, very... It has a lot of uh, religious crisis. Christians and Muslims. Muslims were persecuting a lot of Christians. And any slight thing they would take off and the first person that would head the burnt, churches are burnt and Christians are killed. We have stayed in a house, the church behind the house was being burnt at night. It has happened before. The way to one of our churches was blocked by certain uh, Muslim group, Shia groups. They became a lord unto themselves. The day they are coming out in procession, nobody goes out in the city. And the leader was called El Zazaki. Those in Nigeria will be aware of this. He built an empire. He built a militia group. The government was afraid for him. The emir could not even come out when they are coming out. And Christians have been praying. But when I was small, Christians have been praying that this is becoming difficult. You cannot even go to worship. The College of Education Church we used to attend then. Some days, if they come out, you block it, you cannot go to church. Now, Christians have been praying. How are you going to do that? And one day, they came out on a procession. And they blocked the chief of army staff's car. The head of the army of the country. He must not pass. Generals came out. They refused to accept. Until they shot in the air. They killed some of them. The general passed. Because who are you to stop a general? But the general was a Muslim. If the general was a Christian, who can I be a different religious crisis? General went back, finished his own. His deputy sent people at the night to go out and destroy the whole compound. They killed a lot of them and they took them away. Up to now, he's still locked in prison. Now, the good thing about this is with the, church, with the country that's such divided between Muslims and Christians, the chief of army staff was a Muslim. The governor of the state was a Muslim. The president was a Muslim. And yet... Those were the ones that thought that this man was moved out of that. It can only be God. We never thought our answer would come that way. That within their own religions, someone will fight back and we will be the victors. We never thought. But for whatever reason, if it was a Christian that was in charge and anything could have happened, it would have been changed to a different dimension. But it didn't become a religious crisis. Because God answers in his own way. That's why I say our scope is limited. Sometimes we say we want it this way, but who says you must have it that way? If you go further on, later on, the, the Israelites went out, they were captives, but they came back later when they are repented and God established them. Praise the Lord. Always remember that. Whenever you're praying to God, say, God, what is the vision? What is the scope? Show it to me. Like Elijah said, show it to me. And when God shows it to you at times, sometimes he might not show it to you, but at times he might show it to you and then you'll better understand where you're coming from. He might tell you to go. He might tell you to go. You go. He might show you the reason why you're asking to go. 
But just always remember, my vision and scope is limited. Number seven, God's time is not our time. Hallelujah. God's time is not our time. God's time is not our time. How do you know our own time? We benchmark our time against our fellow human beings. Am I correct? By this certain age, I'm supposed to do it. By this, I'm supposed to do this. By this, I'm supposed to do that. But that's your own time. But is that God's time? Is that God's time? You know? So let's stop benchmarking ourselves with human beings. God's time is not our own time. I mean, when Josiah left, he had about three or four different sons that came on later that would be more and more evil. It took a while before the Israelites were restored. That was God's time. God is never too late. God is never too late. Within Muscat here, a lot of us are facing a lot of challenges. But God has his time for us. And that leads me to the next point. Which says, patience is key with walking with God. If you go back to that verse, it says, Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. One of the most difficult things as Christians is waiting. Hallelujah. I struggle with that daily. To wait. I'm someone that likes things done on time. And every day I'm learning, both in the secular and the spiritual, patience is required with God. Until God teaches you certain things, you cannot move forward. You have to be patient. If God says it, you have to wait for it to happen. Be sure that God has said it, but then you have to wait for it to happen. Because God's time is not our time. Sometimes God will say, this is what you have. I'll share my foundation class. My first job in the UK that I got. From the time I started the job, I got the job to the time I started, it was four months. Four months of difficult waiting. <laughs> August to December. Just working for a work visa. Imagine getting a job. Who will keep a job for you for four months? In this present climate, who keep a job? Which employer will say, I'm waiting for you for four months? All prices down, there are other people available. Nigeria, 200 million. India, 1.3 billion. Which employer will say, I'm waiting for you for four months? They waited four months. Imagine what was going through my head. Jesus will go out to happen one with God. Patience. Patience. It's difficult. Believe me, I'm not talking out of it. I'm talking out of my own experiences. It's difficult waiting. Now, the other aspect about it is two sides. You say you're waiting and you're doing nothing. God has promised me, oh, okay, I'll just continue waiting. You will not make an application. You will not improve yourself. You will not go to church. You won't go to prayer because God has said it and I'm waiting for him. You're fooling yourself. Waiting is not, is, not, uh, is not a right to be lazy. Waiting is not a right to be lazy. You have to be up and about. 
If you're in a ministry, you continue to minister. You continue waiting and continue to minister. If you're doing business, you continue going out. There's no shortcut. If you're applying for a job, you continue applying for a job. You cannot say, God has so I'm going to fold my hands. No. God will not honor that. Does not mean doing nothing. When doing nothing, that becomes laziness. And then that is where a lot of the current denominations tell you. They preach to you about prosperity. Which is right. I don't have an issue with that. God wants us to prosper. But God wants you to work. You have to work hard. And as you're working, God is blessing you. If God didn't want us to work, he wouldn't have given Adam the ground to tend to. Because just say, Adam, go and relax. Just chill out. I'll come and visit in the evening. Everything is fine. But he gave him to look after him. He gave him to become responsible to do something. So as you wait, whatever God has given to you, you do well. You do well. You might not look at it and say, I'm above this job. I'm supposed to be in a better job than this. But you do it well. And God will uplift you in due season. In due season. Yeah, hear amen to that. God will uplift you. God will uplift you. I'm very, very sure about that. I'm very sure about it. And that's why he was reassuring Habakkuk at that particular point in time. In verse 3 of that verse, he said, But it will surely come. It will not tarry. It will not tarry. It will not tarry. It will happen. In your lifetime, it will happen. Hallelujah. If you go, the next one, my next point, is from verse 4. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright, but the just shall live by faith. You go to Mark 9, 19-24. He answered them and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, he immediately the spirit convulsed, and he fell down on the ground and wallowed for me at the mouth. And he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? How long? And he said, From his childhood. How many years of torture? Torture for that child. And often he was thrown him between the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Have compassion on us and help us. A bit of faith there. Am I correct? And Jesus said to him, If you believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. That's the part. Just shall live by faith. Help my unbelief. We get to situations, we lose our faith. Have you been there? Raise your hand if you have been there. Believe me, I've been there. You get to a certain situation, you just lose your faith at all. And you could find out that this man that has had this problem with this child, now he's meeting, maybe he has gone to several, several uh, ministers of God. And he comes to this one and said, he must have heard the same thing all over again. If you believe, it shall happen. And the last one was it, help my own belief. Don't forget what I told you. You have to be honest with God. 
at the beginning, isn't it? I get to a certain place, your face is shaking. I say, God, help my unbelief. I want to believe, but Lord, help my unbelief. God looks at the heart. He knows what you're struggling. You get to one person and say, I give up. I say, God, I want to give up. Help me. You cry out to him. That's why it says the just shall live by faith. That's how they will survive. What that meant in Habakkuk's time was, regardless of the Babylonians taking them out, there will be a remnant that will come back to Israel. There will have to be faith that one day, Israel will be restored. That's the faith. But they could not see it at that time. When the Babylonians took them away, how can you see that? The people in Northeast Nigeria that they're taking their children, you go and tell them that, that the children will come back. They'll be released after about three years or four years. Lord, help my unbelief. How can that happen? It's a crisis of faith. Now, the reason why it's a crisis of faith is God wants to help our faith. God wants to help our faith. If your faith was complete, you won't have those issues. But God wants to help you. Now, when it says the just shall live by faith, those that are living in the right standing with God. That's why I say you have to keep doing what you're doing right. Well, for the just shall live by faith. Let's, let's, I'll take so many of that just shall live by faith. If you go to uh, Romans 1.17, For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Galatians 3.11 But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Hebrews 10.38 Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. That phrase that was picked in the New Testament in all those quoted scriptures came from Habakkuk. It came from Habakkuk. And that's why I said, God does not do anything just like that. There's a reason. When Habakkuk was saying this, he never knew it would be quoted in the New, New Testament and it would become a bedrock of the word. In Hebrew, that one in Hebrews, I like that one. He said, now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. The only way you maintain having pleasure in God is by faith. By faith. Abraham helped my unbelief. Abraham brought Ishmael. He had a crisis of faith, didn't he? Even when Sarah gave him that option, he could have said no. But then he also had some good victories. Went to Isaac to sacrifice Isaac. Am I correct? He failed. But he got better. Praise the Lord. If you go to Habakkuk 2.20, it says, But the Lord in his holy temple, let all the earth keep silent before him. If you go to Habakkuk 3.17-19, to Okay? And that's what I'm coming in. It shall, number 10, it shall end in praise. 
It shall end in praise. It shall end in praise. If you go to chapter 3, you find that Habakkuk started praising God. After, in the beginning, in the first chapter, he was saying, God, why? And in the last thing, when God spoke to him, he was praising God. And that's why some people feel that Habakkuk was a musician. In Habakkuk 3, 17 to 19, it says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, no fruits be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no fruit, though the flock may be cut from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. He will make my feet like a deer's feet. And he will make me walk on my heels high. Praise the Lord. That's God's promise. That was the praise I'm talking about. It shall end in praise for you. That discussion you are beginning to have with God, going back and forth, be honest with God, it will always end in praise. There won't be any tears. It might, not look, it, might not, it might not look like a victory, but it shall be a victory at the end. You might not be able to see it. Your scope might be limited. But for sure, it shall end in praise. And that is what I'm telling you today. In this whole dialogue, from someone crying out to the Lord, to the third chapter, it began, it finished in praise. Now, I'll just give a recap of the ten points that I spoke with. One was to be honest with God. Have a righteous indignation or almost a passion of what you're asking from God. God will hear you and God will answer you. Praise the Lord. We have to stand in the place of prayer to receive from God. We have to stand in a place of prayer to receive from God. God does not hide his promises. Go and find it and hold on to it. Our vision and our scope is limited. Trust God for the bigger vision. Ask him to show you that vision. Praise the Lord. Number seven. God's time is not our time. Always hold on to that. Patience is the key with walking with God. The just shall live by faith. Those who are right standing with God will live by faith. Every day is a, walk, is a step of faith. Every day is a step of faith. And number ten. It shall end in praise. It shall end in praise. Hallelujah. In conclusion, I want to say this in conclusion to you, my brothers and sisters. Run to God the way Habakkuk did. Stay with God the way Habakkuk did in times of uncertainties. We're going through different uncertainties, but you go to God and stay with God. And that number 10 will surely happen to you. It shall end in praise. God bless you. Praise God. How many of you were blessed by the 10 lessons? we had from Habakkuk. Right? There are some who are blessed. Maybe I should change the question some, somewhat and put it this way. 
for how many of you was this the first time you have opened the book of Habakkuk? Frankly, I don't know what you have heard over the last one hour. But to me, there were very clear instructions. There was no confusion. It starts with, be honest with God. Let's not put our masks in front of God. Be absolutely honest with God. The end is always praise and victory. But in between are the other instructions which you and I have to follow. I won't re-summarize them. Brother Marcus has already summarized them. But I would encourage every one of us that in just a few days' time, this PowerPoint will be there on our website. Take those points again. Look at it. And then ask yourself the question, am I honest with God? Am I that just righteous person that is being described in Habakkuk? How do I apply faith in my life? Do I really believe that God will answer my prayers. And when God speaks, do I note it down immediately and act on it and not leave it off for some other day when the instruction changes? In Romans chapter 15, verse 4, it is written this way. For whatever things were written, were written for our learning. That we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So everything written in Habakkuk was written for you and for me. It was written for our learning. It was written that we might have patience. It was written that we might draw comfort out of it. And it was written that we might have hope. Every word in the word of God has something for you and for me. Church, let's stand. Let's bring the service to a close. Just think for a few minutes about what you have heard over the last one hour. If there's one thing you need to declare God right now is the first is obeying the first instruction. God, I will be honest with you. Talk to God right now. God is God has been absolutely clear in his instructions through the book of Habakkuk, what we have seen now. Ten instructions, easy to follow, simple to understand, but they start with, am I honest with God? Thank God 
for what you have heard now. Thank God that within three chapters of a single book, you actually get your instructions for day-to-day -day living. Praise God right now that His instructions are clear, unambiguous. You don't need to be a scholar to understand them. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, because you have indeed spoken to us this day. Father, we thank you, Lord, that in your word, what you have written in different areas of scripture, there are words meant to comfort us. Words to give us hope for our future, Lord. Words of correction, words of discipline. And yet, the end is praise. And for that, God, we are grateful. Father, we are truly grateful that you have already laid out in front of us the roadmap that we need to follow. Father God, I pray, Lord, that every one of us today, Lord, will decide in our hearts that that's what we want to do. We want to be honest with you. We want to commit ourselves and say, yes, Lord, I'm not playing games with you. Thank you, Lord, that your eyes are upon me. Thank you, Lord, that you direct my steps and my path. Thank you, Lord, that always you are concerned about me. Help me to walk in that faith, Lord. Thank you, Lord, because once again we have seen, Lord, that you are concerned for every person in this church, Lord. You have not forsaken us, but you continue to build us. And Father God, we are grateful for that. We thank you, Lord, for your servant whom you have used this day, Lord, Father. And we pray, Lord, that your presence will be with him and his family, Lord. That you will bless him and his family, Lord, Father. That you will anoint him the more, Lord. That he will continue to bring to us words of wisdom from your scriptures, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that every one of us here, Lord, Father, will understand that as we follow your words, as we follow your instructions, we are walking towards victory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for this time. And we pray, Lord, that you will continue to be with us and build us up into that kind of people that you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen.